Hi, I'm Gregory Dickow, and thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you're one of our regular listeners, thank you for your continued journey with me. My prayer is that each and every message touches your heart and helps you encounter the real Jesus and rise to your true worth and purpose. Now, we release new messages every single week available to everyone in the world for absolutely free. And the reason we can do that is because we have precious people who give generously and sacrificially each and every week. If you're a regular giver, I'm truly thankful for you. I can't thank you enough, in fact. And if you haven't taken that step yet, I want to invite you to join us today. Simply visit lifechangerschurch.com slash give. That's lifechangerschurch.com slash give to make a one-time gift or even better yet, become a recurring giver here at Life Changers. Finally, I hope today's message truly encourages you, builds you up, and reveals to you how powerful you really are. Enjoy and God bless. I want to pray for you and then I want to share with you what I consider my favorite message that I have ever got from God and what I want to pass on to you as well. But Father, thank you for your presence among us. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And we thank you for your presence to heal. We thank you for your presence to set people free. We thank you for your presence to bring joy and peace. We thank you for your presence to bring breakthroughs. We thank you for your presence to be abounding in every person's life that each person connected here will feel, sense and be aware of your presence and your presence would permeate their families, permeate their lives, permeate their spirit, soul and body in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I'm sharing with you a series I've entitled I Have a Covenant with God. And my favorite scripture that I think have come to experience in this message and in this walk with God in this journey of this blood covenant that he's made with us, this the most powerful, strongest agreement, strongest contract that could ever possibly be made is a covenant in blood. And not only Is this not this isn't in anybody's blood, just anybody. This is the blood of Jesus. This is the God man in one that he has simultaneously divine. Holy blood and simultaneously. Human holy blood. And that's why there's a covenant between God and man through Jesus death and that covenant that strongest agreement possible is now made available to you and me. And I want to talk about that and I want to talk to you about God's greatest desire so that you can fulfill God's greatest desire. What is his greatest desire? What is God's greatest dream? What is Jesus greatest desire? Jesus greatest dream? The thing his heart beats for more than anything in this universe is you. You are God's desire. You are his dream. You say, how can this be who me? Yes, you and me and everyone within the sound of my voice. You are God's greatest, greatest desire. His greatest desire isn't to win battles. His greatest desire is to know you and to have a personal relationship with you. You are his greatest desire. Look with me in Luke chapter 22 and verse 14. And it says when the hour 
had come, when his time or the time had come, he took his place. You know, there's a time and a place. Jesus, it says about him, when the hour had come, he took his place at table with the disciples. Listen, we have to realize that Jesus never does anything by accident. God never does anything by accident. There is a time, there is a place, there's a desire, there's a dream. And he says in verse 15, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Notice these words I've eagerly desired. Notice what he desires to do. He desires to eat, but notice who he desires to eat it with, with you. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Wow. I want to read this to you from the New King James Bible. Well, actually, in verse 17, he goes ahead and says, taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, this is my covenant. Take this and divide it among you. I love verse 15 in the New King James Bible. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, the Passover in this case is the blood of Jesus over our lives so that the, sp the spirit of death, the plague of death, the sentence of death, the condemnation of death, it all passes over us because of the blood of Jesus, just as it passed over the children of Israel with the blood of an animal for us once and for all. The blood of Jesus is shed and death passes over us. Condemnation passes over us. Fear passes over us. It can't touch you. It can't have you. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, sin, where is your sting? The blood of Jesus is the most powerful force in the universe, and the, his blood is the proof of his love. And notice what he says with fervent desire. I've desired to eat this Passover with you. So it's not just that he desires to have a Passover in his blood. He's desired to eat it with you. The NIV says, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I got to read this to you from the Passion Translation. It's so good. When Jesus arrived at the upper room, he took his place at the table, along with all the apostles. Jesus invites us to his table. Jesus wants to eat with us. Jesus desires us so much. He takes his place with us. He doesn't consider himself as having a greater place at the table. He loves to include us at the table. In verse 15 of the Passion Translation, it goes on to say, then he told them, I have longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you. I've longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you. I love what the message translation says in verse 14. When it was time, he sat down, all the apostles with him and said, you have no idea. Oh, glory to God. I pray this gets across to you. 
I pray this hits your soul. I pray this hits your heart. I pray this melts your heart like it has melted mine and is melting mine still. Jesus said, you have no idea how much I have looked forward. You have no idea how much I've looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you. You have no idea. Wow. I love all of these scriptures. Let's break it down. Let's let's list them. It says he eagerly desires you and to make this covenant with you. He fervently desires you. He longs for you. And then he says, you have no idea how much I look forward to eating this with you. You have no idea. You know, you really have no idea how much God loves you. We really have no idea how much he desires us. We think we're supposed to serve him. We've been brainwashed to think we're we're just his servants. But you have no idea how much he longs to eat this meal with you. You have no idea how much he longs to fellowship with you. You have no idea how deep and intimate he wants to have a relationship with you. Now, there's two aspects of this moment. There's the it's not just the eating. There's the eating part that he wants to do with us is practical. He wants us to celebrate meals with him. He wants to be a part of our everyday lives. So it's the eating, but it's also the sharing of this covenant between God and man. Listen, Jesus loves the idea. Jesus loves the idea of you and me getting all the blessings that he rightfully deserves. Jesus loves the idea of sitting with you, fellowshipping with you, walking with you. That's why the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus in Romans, chapter eight, verse 16. It says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places in Ephesians chapter two. It says that he wants us ruling and reigning with him in Revelation chapter one, verse five and six. And what about Romans chapter eight, verse thirty two, where it says he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Boy, if you could get a hold of the fact that he longs for, he desires for, he fervently desires to share every bit of his life with you. Oh, what great God he is. Oh, what a savior. Oh, what a covenant. What a covenant. You see, this covenant, this the word covenant is to cut where blood flows. When Jesus blood flowed, when Jesus was cut and all of his blood was shed, it was to make a covenant with us, to make the most powerful agreement that could not be broken. This covenant in blood, it cannot be broken. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of God and the blood of man mingled into one. How powerful is this blood covenant? Zechariah chapter nine gives us an indication of how powerful it is. He says, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, who's the covenant with with you because of the blood of my covenant with you. In other words, it's something that he takes responsibility for. It's something that he owns. It's something that he ratifies. It's something that he inaugurates, but he does it with you. It's my, he says it's my covenant 
of blood, my, the blood of my covenant with you. So everything that I have with Jesus, I want to have with you. And notice what it says. One of the great benefits of this blood covenant, I have set your prisoners free. I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. The only thing that sets us free from hell, the only thing that saves us from going to hell is the blood of his covenant. The only thing that frees us from the prison of sin and the prison of shame and the prison of condemnation and the prison of fear and the prison of anxiety is the blood of Jesus. Well, I love this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter nine. Have you gotten the point yet that you have no idea how much he desires to be with you, to fellowship with you, to eat with you, to dine with you. You see, sometimes we think that a relationship with God is a relationship of obedience and disobedience, but it's a relationship of celebration. It's a relationship of communion with God, which means common to share in common unity with the father, with the son, with the Holy Spirit, with you, his child. It says in Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty four. For Jesus Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands. He didn't enter the like the Old Testament tabernacle or the Old Testament temple that man made according to God's specifications. But man made it. It was made with human hands. But Jesus didn't enter the holy place made with human hands, a mere copy of the true one. But he entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25, nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest would enter the holy place year by year with blood that is not even his own. Otherwise, verse 26, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages, once this happened one time, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He didn't just wash it. He put it away forever. Verse 27. And in as much as it is appointed for men to die once and then after it comes judgment. Verse 28 says, so Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Notice what it says. He will appear a second time for saving without reference to sin. In other words, oftentimes people have this fear that when Jesus comes back the second time, he's going to make reference to our sin. And here the beautiful verse in 28 says he will come and he will take us without reference to sin for those who eagerly await him without reference to sin. He will make no reference of your past. He will make no reference of your mistakes. He will make no reference of your shortcomings. He will make no reference of your failures. He will make no reference of your blunders, your deliberate sins and deliberate mistakes, for he put sin away once and for all the Amplified. I love this in verse 28, the Amplified Bible. This is the gospel. Jesus did all the work. He shed his blood to bring us. And you have no idea how much he wants to 
fellowship with you, have communion with you, have intimacy with you. I love what he says in Hebrews 9:28 in the Amplified Bible. It says, so Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, he will appear a second time when he returns to earth, but to bring salvation to those not to deal with sin. The second coming of Jesus, when it comes to believers who are waiting for him, his second coming will not deal with sin. Why? Because his first coming already dealt with sin completely and he put it away forever. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we still sin. But even the things that we struggle with, even the sins that we yet have yet to commit, they've already been dealt with. He's already put them all away. He will not deal with sin a second time. He dealt with it once. But now listen, for those who reject his sacrifice for their sin, there will be a dealing with sin. You will have to pay the price for your sin, which the wages of sin is death. You will spend eat and it's eternal death. It's not death and then it's over. It's forever, eternal death, eternal separation from God. It's not even about how bad hell is. It's about how dark eternity is without God. Even now, we don't live in the fullness of darkness because the light of the gospel is being preached and there are believers filled with the Holy Spirit all over the world. There is still darkness in this world, but it's not pitch dark. But when he comes again and takes us with him, the earth will become dark. The world will become dark. And because it is separated from God and there will be so much corruption and so much evil and the Antichrist and the rulers of darkness will have control of the earth and Jesus will come again. He will come the second time to rapture us, but then he will come to this earth and rule and reign for 1000 years and he will put to death forever the devil and all the armies of hell and they will be cast into the lake of fire. And I don't mean to get into the the revelate the book of Revelation end times, but I want you to see that when Jesus comes the second time, he's not coming to make reference to your sin. He's not coming to deal with sin. He's already dealt with it. But if you don't accept his free gift, if you don't accept this blood covenant, it's not because God say, hey, you got to do it my way. Hey, you got to. I just want to be in charge. It's not about being in charge. It's about there's no other there's no other material. There's no other riches. There's no other wealth. There's no other jewels. There's no other precious thing in the universe that can wash away our sins except the blood of Jesus. Nothing can bring us into a relationship with God except the blood of Jesus. Nothing can remove our sentence of death against us because of Adam's sin and our sin except the blood of Jesus. So. He will come again without making reference to your sins. It's over. But through the suffering of Jesus, the one once and for all suffering of Jesus on the cross, he brings us 
into his table. He brings us into his bosom. He brings us into his power. If we truly understand his suffering and if we learn how to embrace his suffering, we'll be able to also embrace his glory, the Bible says. And what does it mean to embrace his suffering? It doesn't mean for us to suffer also. It doesn't mean that we have to now suffer whatever he suffered. He suffered once and for all. So when it says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, the word fellowship there is partnership. It's it means communion. It's it means that when Jesus suffered, we suffered with him. When Jesus suffered, we were in contact. He was in contact with us and he was suffering on our behalf. And so he says that I may know him and the power of his the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That word fellowship is also the word intimacy. So he's saying to become intimate with his suffering. So we fellowship with his sufferings by and the word fellowship there is an exchange made. We fellowship with his sufferings when we accept the exchange. He exchanges his righteousness for our sin. He exchanges his blessing for our curse. He exchanges his healing for our health, healing and well-being by his stripes were healed. Notice there is a exchange. That is what this word fellowship means. That's what this word intimacy means. There's an exchange. He exchanges our sin for his righteousness in Second Corinthians, chapter five, verse twenty one. He exchanges our sickness for his healing. In first Peter, chapter two, verse twenty five, by his stripes were healed. He exchanges our curse for his blessing. Galatians three thirteen. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing might come upon us. You see, he did all of that because he wants to be able to have you sit with him at his table. He did all of that, not so he could judge you, not so he could rule over you, but so that he could sit with you. I love the I love John's telling of this covenant and this last supper, so to speak, with Jesus first coming in John, chapter 13, verse 23 in the New King James Bible, it says now there was leaning on Jesus bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, of course, Jesus loved all of his disciples, but John is writing about himself here. There was leaning on Jesus bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John knew Jesus loved him. John knew it. What would make John so willing to be the only one at the cross when Jesus blood was fully shed? He was there with Mary, Jesus mother. You know, the Fox's Book of Martyrs and history shows us that in the year 95, John was apprehended by the proconsul of Asia and sent to Rome, where he was miraculously preserved from death. After he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil, John, the, the account of this is historically recorded. 
that John, the apostle who wrote John 13, 23, he was miraculously preserved from death after being thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. On account of this trial, the title of martyr is given to him by the fathers of our faith who say that thus was fulfilled what Christ had foretold him that he should drink of his cup. The Roman tyrant Domitian banished. He tried to kill him, but he couldn't. So he banished St. John into the island of Patmos. He said, John, you won't stop preaching about Jesus. You won't stop telling us about God's love. You won't stop telling us about Jesus, death and resurrection. Everywhere you go, John, you're making problems with my country, you're making problems with my kingdom. This evil tyrant of the Roman Empire was so mad at John that he said, you know what? I'm going to banish you. I can't kill you. I've tried. I can't get rid of you. I can't get you to renounce your faith. I've punished you, tortured you and you still here you are. And so what did he do? He decided I will banish John to an island where nobody else lived, an island called Patmos. And when this evil emperor thought he was getting rid of John, it is there all alone on this island by himself that Jesus came to John. Jesus appeared to the apostle John. Jesus said to him, I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus said to him, for I hold the keys of hell and death. And Jesus gave John the apostle on a Sunday in the year 96. He gave John the revelation that John wrote. And we have now as the last book of the Bible called the book of Revelation. It was a book that, frankly, the book of Revelation is probably the most known book of the Bible. Everybody's heard of the Revelation or the apocalypse. Everybody's heard of this last book, which has the most stunning descriptions of heaven, the most stunning descriptions of God, the most stunning descriptions of angels. John was sent there to die. And it was there that John actually became more alive than he had ever been. And he wrote this amazing, beautiful book, the book of Revelation, because he had a vision of Jesus himself who appeared to him and said, write these words down. And he wrote every word down. We don't even understand all the words, but we know how magnificent and majestic they are. We know how powerful they are and we know that they connect so many dots in the Bible to describe not only what heaven will be like, just a glimpse, but also what the last days will be like for the beloved church of Jesus Christ. And then when we're raptured in John in Revelation chapter three, it appears in chapter four, he says, come up here. And then we see a world without Christianity and we see the tribulation beginning after the rapture. But isn't it amazing that when this evil emperor thought, I'm going to 
stop John from talking. I'm going to stop John from preaching. I'm going to stop John from proclaiming Jesus, that it is in man's evil heart to silence John the Apostle. It was in God's great, beautiful heart to give him the greatest voice that he had ever had before. By writing this book, we know about being washed. We know about being loved. We know about being kings and priests. We know about the angels and the magnificent creatures that sit before and stand before the throne of God. We know that Jesus himself is in front of the father right before the throne so that we can go to the father through Jesus and he ever lives to make intercession for us. What could make John's heart so willing to suffer being thrown in boiling oil? What could empower him to endure that? What could keep him alive after 212 degrees of heat, you know, heated oil would have killed him and would have killed anybody? What could make his heart at peace? Well, I believe it's a love that boiled hotter than this oil. It was the intimate invitation of Jesus to John. Intimate invitation from Jesus to us. To come to him and to accept him and to. Ah, you have no idea, he said, Jesus said, you have no idea how much I've desired. To eat, to dine, to fellowship with you. What a what a savior. What a beautiful shepherd. What a glorious king. It says when Jesus, when John was leaning on Jesus bosom in verse 23, one of his disciples, the other disciple, Simon Peter, he motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered and said, it is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. Notice how this intimacy is described. First, we have John leaning in to Jesus bosom. I want to invite you. God wants to invite you. Jesus is inviting you to this intimate table with him. How intimate is it? What does it mean? Listen, if we break it down quickly and then we'll pr I'll pray for you. It says this intimacy is described as John is leaning in to the heart of his savior. John is daring to ask what no one else was willing to ask. John was expecting to receive an answer to his request, and John's heart was beating for what Jesus heart was beating for. Without this kind of intimacy with God, we we place too much stress on our family members, our spouse or our parents or our job or our money or our relationships, and they are not designed to be trusted that completely. Only God can be trusted that completely. How, how could John get so close without fear, without guilt, without condemnation? Because Jesus was finishing the old covenant 
at that table and he was inaugurating the new covenant at that table. And he was inviting you and me to the religious self-righteous. He was pointing out the law to show them that their need for God's grace. But to the humble hurting, he was showing them the new covenant in his blood, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Well, Jesus desires this same relationship with you. And I want to close with this in the same way that he invited his disciples to his table in the same way that he said, you have no idea how much I long to have you and to be with you and to eat with you and to make this covenant with you. He also says in Revelation chapter three, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone and by the way, this is a revelation that Jesus gave to John again on that island of Patmos. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Notice he doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for us to come to his house. He comes to our house. He comes to our door. He comes to you. Then he waits for you to open. He doesn't kick the door down. He knocks and he meets you where you're at and he invites you and he says to anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Oh, how he longs for you to know how much he desires you. And his greatest desire is you. Can I pray for you for two things for those that have never received Jesus into their life? This is your day to answer the door as he knocks at the door of your heart. And for those who want this close intimacy with God, you have no idea how much he longs to have this blood covenant with you. I pray that you will experience above and beyond all that you can ask or think and that you would taste and feel and experience the depth of his love for you and the closeness that you can have with him, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what sins, no matter what problems, no matter what's going on. He's dealt with it and he's not judging you over it ever again. But if you've never received him, this is your moment to accept this free gift called eternal life. Just pray this with me out loud and everybody pray this with me as you're believing with let's believe together for souls to be saved today. Let's believe together for all your family members. Let's believe for all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all the people you're close to. Let's believe for each and every one of them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just pray this out loud. I invite Jesus into my life as my savior. I believe the blood of Jesus was shed for me. Jesus is risen from the dead. He died for me. He rose for me. And now I have a blood covenant with God from this moment forward. God will never leave me in Jesus name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to download this free book. You will find it in the comment section of whatever format or platform you're watching on or in a link that will be available to you or you can go to lifechangerschurch.com slash salvation and you can download this book absolutely free anywhere in the world. It's all about the next steps in this journey that we just prayed together about. These are the next steps. Now get this power of a new life. It'll explain so much and answer so many questions. Just download it for free anywhere in the world. Lifechangerschurch.com slash salvation.
for each and every one of you. We can all have this closeness with God. Just invite the maker of the covenant. Let's just say, Father in heaven, reveal to me, open my eyes to see the power of this blood covenant and to walk in its power from this day forward in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I can't wait to see you next time. We keep building on this closeness with God, this intimacy with God, this blood covenant we have with him. God loves you and I love you. We'll see you at our next service. God bless. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm praying that God is using this message to speak to you today. And I want to encourage you right now, if Life Changers is one of the platforms from which you're growing spiritually and you feel blessed and empowered by the content here, I want to ask you to go to lifechangerschurch.com slash give and become one of the givers, one of the people that is changing lives with me around the world. Become a greater part of what God is doing. Become a part of something bigger than just you or bigger than just me, what God is doing around the world through this ministry. You can give a one-time gift or become a recurring giver. Remember, the church is not a place, it's a people. Let's work together as the church to bring more people into the family of God. Go to lifechangerschurch.com slash give to give or click the link in the description. And thank you in advance. Remember, God's not mad at you. He is mad about you. He's in love with you and he is on your side. God bless.